So raise your hand if you hated doing outlines in high school. Okay, you don't actually have to raise your hand, but it's one of those types of questions I ask oftentimes the beginning of class when we start talking about outlines because as you perhaps would guess, um, most hands go up. <laughs> most people hate doing outlines. They certainly hated it in grade school uh, for many reasons, which I'll talk about in a moment. But that's really what I wanted to talk about today is exactly like why does outline why do outlines and why does outlining get such a bad reputation and sort of what is the if I dare use the term right way to do outlines what is actually the purpose of them and how can they actually help you again we we talk about outlining oftentimes with organizing uh, thoughts for papers and paper writing but the organizational methods that you're really employing are really just good methods of thinking through certain problems and certain types of analysis. And, you know, that type of thinking can apply to all other aspects or, or realms of all, you know, other types of situations in, in real life and real world scenarios. So, uh, yeah, welcome this week to Professor Lab's podcast, where we discuss these topics that often come up in class. And again, transcend the class, obviously, as I just mentioned. So I wanted to talk a little bit about outlining because we are at the point in the semester where outlines are a, uh, a big factor because we're beginning to work on our research papers and students have a lot of information that they're finding and wondering what the heck do I actually do with all of this, right? How do I actually put all of this together into some sort of, sort of coherent, cohesive uh, paper, essentially, right? And so one thing I'll say about outlines is that first of all, you, you do want to think about outlining as more so an organization of your thoughts. And for that reason, uh, outlining as a practice doesn't even necessarily apply the same way across different assignments. And this is why I say, again, really assessing the, the purpose of what an outline is trying to accomplish is sort of huge here, because from there you can sort of ask, well, you know, what type of outline do I use? And, you know, if you even just look online, Google outlining, you'll see there's all sorts of different outlines. And that makes sense because you might have all sorts of different, um, and again, it's not just papers, it's projects, it's presentations where you have different goals, you have different points that you're trying to get to. And obviously there may be similar or common elements among some of these different you know, types of assignments or projects that you can sort of identify as like, oh yeah, it makes sense to structure information in general in these ways. But of course, going into each individual assignment and that's why individual guidelines are so important, you start to realize very quickly that not all outlines are the same and for very uh, important reasons, right? So that's the first point is that uh, it doesn't always apply uh, for in the same way for different assignments. So again, they will help you to organize what information you have. And as well, in general, you can think about outlines as a great sort of template. And when I say template, I mean sort of just like a, a, a puzzle piece that's developing, right? Or a, not a puzzle piece, but a puzzle with pieces that are sort of clicking together. So if you think of that about a, an outline as sort of a puzzle, you can realize that, oh, this can help me sort of to fill in the gaps between sections to find information, to identify what information I do need to further find in order to complete that fuller puzzle picture, right? And I think those are sort of the, the core key elements to me in terms of you know, how an outline is actually useful or relevant across pretty much any assignment or project that you're going to do, right? Um, and again, you know, 
for some assignments, I don't even do outlining, at least not starting out, which I'll explain as well in a little bit more detail in a moment. So for example, when I do narrative writing, um, oftentimes, and there's all sorts of different narrative writing, you know, if you've ever written a cover letter or a statement of purpose, whether for a job or for grad school, you're kind of a little bit familiar with writing a cover letter, which is a sort of a form of narrative writing because it is personal reflection, obviously tied into a certain goal, whether you're trying to get a job or, or get into a, a school or whatnot. But in general, those uh, you, you kind of can identify that there are pretty specific clear goals to those pieces of writing and they're often briefer you know cover letters only one page so outlines aren't always necessarily necessary for those types of writing um but even then like we use templates which is essentially are pointing out like oh yeah you want to open by introducing this type of information follow up with these types of examples so even then there's sort of an outline in theory that you follow even for that type of writing but you know, again, in general, I find that those are points that just sort of need to be covered. They're not as detailed necessarily um, as some of these other writing assignments that that I do, in, in at least in my freshman writing classes. But again, there's there's all sorts of other assignments where, yeah, you can identify different sections and sort of point to those, look to those and say like, yeah, I can create sort of a, a bare bones structure of like, yeah, this makes sense that the order of this information will come this way. And then I sort of fill it in as I go along. And that's sort of oftentimes the ideal way to use an outline is it's sort of helping you fill in the gaps. It's making, it's doing some work up front in order to make your work or your job later on. And as you continue to find that information, organize that information, analyze that information a little bit easier. So you actually, by taking a little bit of time up front to do outlining and to continue to plug in those puzzle pieces throughout, you actually wind up saving time over the long haul, which kind of, I admit, sounds like something that your teacher in grade school just kind of tells you to shut you up maybe. But if you get it <laughs> and you actually can make sense of how and why that's useful, I, I mean, every semester I have tons and tons of students who come to this same exact realization. So I can tell you just by experience with my students and you know any alumni who are listening to this, they will <laughs> they will vouch for that. So if you want to comment on this, please do confirm this uh, conclusion that I'm drawing here because I, I know countless students who this to this day they tell me some of the outlining uh, that we've done for assignments have really helped them again in all sorts of other real world writing situations at jobs that they have now. Um, they find it super useful. So yeah. Um, again, the other types of assignments that I typically do outlining for are analysis papers, which I won't get into too much of that right now. I think that is specific enough for its whole other own episode, but analytical writing, like but what I mean by that is analyzing an article or a story or something like that really helps to kind of ask, well, why am I analyzing this piece of writing in the order that I am? And there's more than one way to do that. So that's actually important to note as well that you can ask that question. And that's one of the things I often tell students because they ask me, they're like, well, do I analyze a newspaper article and how effective that article is written, right? So do I analyze that according to the, the, the techniques that the author uses? Do I analyze it by how the author starts their article and how they continue throughout? Or do I sort of do a combination of those elements, sort of mixing them? And, or do I start by pointing out what he does well and then later on in the paper point out what he doesn't do well? Well, the answer is you can do it any of those ways. There's benefits and pitfalls perhaps to any of those ways. So that is sort of dictated by that decision as to what 
method of writing and outlining and structuring your paper that you follow is sort of dictated by what type of information you have to work with and how much of that information you have to work with, right? Um, so that's a consideration that we talk a lot about with analysis. And same thing with now the researched argument papers, which is what we are doing now. And I think that outlining is definitely most useful for a researched argument paper. I mean, I can't tell you how many students I've had over the past several years who just refuse to do outlines. They refuse to organize the information they're finding. They're stuck in this mindset of I can, you know, sort of ram my way through this the night before or whatever, you know, a couple nights before. Just tell me what I got to do. I got to find this type of information, analyze it, write about it, boom, bam, done. Well, yeah, you can find a lot of information very quickly, perhaps. You might be good at that, and that's a good thing to be good at. But you have to look at the specific assignment guidelines, and this is oftentimes true in, you know, certainly many real-world situations, such as jobs where you're given assignments with very strict or specific guidelines of certain types of information you need to include, certain types of analysis you need to conduct. So sort of rushing through and just throwing information in at the last minute isn't going to cut it. So this process of outlining, organizing what you're finding, filling in the gaps, making clear why you're going from one section to the next, like why are these transitions, why do they make sense or not? Outlining can sort of show you a blueprint of that process. And if that blueprint isn't clear, well, again, that's a sign that perhaps you need to do a little bit more work there, right? So I think, again, especially outlining for longer assignments um, and research argument, our papers are typically like six to eight pages, which is quite long if you're following all the other guidelines. You know, again, one of the problems that students run into is they say, well, you know, you said I had to include five sources at least, and I did. I don't understand why I didn't get an A. And it's like, well, you can't just look at what you thought would be easy or what you thought was the most important criteria and throw your hands up and say like, well, I did it. I don't understand why <laughs> I don't have a grade I want. There's a lot of other considerations as per the assignment guidelines, such as, again, why are you ordering the arguments in terms of however you decide to order them? Are those transitions clear? Do they make sense? Are they compelling? And that's oftentimes, again, one of the signs that I see of students who either don't have answers to those questions um, or they just sort of rush through because you'll see these very weak transitions that I point out even when we discuss sample papers where it's like... Um, a paragraph will start, for example, where we'll say also, or in addition to this, and unless you explicitly also state in that topic sentence, like, why are we talking about this now? It kind of looks like, oh, yeah, I kind of forgot that I needed to include this other piece of information. And that unclear transition to me as a reader makes me uninterested in what you have to say. Like if it, if it seems at all, and again, it doesn't have to be, be explicit, doesn't have to seem obvious, but if it seems at all, if there's a feeling or a sense to me as a reader that you don't have a clear sense or meaning or feeling as to why you are analyzing the next part within this essay that you are, I inherently, perhaps without even realizing the lack of clarity in your transition, I will still inherently not be as interested in what you have to say. Your paper is therefore not as effective. Your argument is not as effective. And therefore, your grade isn't what you want it to be because it's not doing the most effective job possible. So outlining and really asking, you know, why this order is coming the way that it is can really work because you can say, oh, we're going to talk about this point now because it builds upon this previous point. It adds some further information or analysis or context that that previous point 
raised but didn't fully explore or it introduces a counter that's direct to that point or or you know this other claim that we made well let's look at the problems now uh, that aren't addressed in that claim so there's a, a, a plethora of sort of reasons or answers as to why you might transition or order things the way that you do but there should be a logical logical pro progression much like if you were having a conversation if you just sort of jump around from point to point people are going to stare at you like you're crazy right so these these practices are like really just kind of like real world applicable practices too to to thought and logical progression and all that sort of stuff as well um and another great thing i think about outlining and you know i'll include i think i'll include a link of the outline template i use for my research argument papers in the description to this episode because i think it's a good outline that shows you like okay here are all the specific types of information that you want to include but again this is very much just kind of a hypothetical outline your outline can be you know other than making sure that you include these points and in the introduction uh, and the conclusion which they can only come where they come in that type of paper at the beginning and the end there's all sorts of different things that you can do in between within the paper. It's just sort of up to you, um, you know, and that's something else that we talk about, like, oh, why in this type of paper would you maybe, you know, structure it this way as opposed to some other way? So, uh, and you see that in sample papers we talk about as well. But again, this is great too, because you might not know the thesis when you first start out. You might have an idea of the thesis. And again, for uh, those of you who don't know, when we say thesis, we just sort of mean the, the driving purpose or the the goal or the argument of the paper. Like, what is the soul of the paper? What is it really trying to prove or accomplish or show us or whatever? Um, and that essentially is the conclusion that your research shows. It's like, well, you do all this research. You might start with a question, an idea of what you're trying to prove, but part of what you're trying to learn through doing the research is what those answers actually are. So you might have an idea and a pretty clear idea or so you think as to what that thesis statement is in the introduction, that assertion is, but that's going to develop, it's going to change, it's going to evolve pretty much almost always across the course of research papers. Very, very rarely. I mean, I would say, I don't know, I don't want to put a number to it, one in a hundred. <laughs> I have students who they, they write their paper from start to finish saying, here's my thesis, I'm going to prove this. Because again, if you're really exploring a topic that you're trying to learn something more about, and even if it is a topic that you think you know a lot about, doing the research and learning more information, unless you're already an expert on that subject and a really good expert, which I don't know how many, you know, I don't know how much of an expert I am on many things, let alone, uh, you know, most college students, you're going to learn more. And therefore your assessment of what the reality of that research shows is going to change and develop over the course of your research. So with that said, what you can do with the outline is sort of uh, set up where you're going to develop further, right? So you can say like, here's my tentative thesis or my thesis for now. And as you keep outlining and learning more, go back to that thesis. You have to go back and forth. You can't say, I want to start with a perfect thesis and just find the information to prove that. Once in a while, that turns out to work, but more often than not, I would say at least nine times out of 10, there's information out there and it's relevant, valid, useful information that doesn't necessarily... Sometimes it does disprove or contradict your thesis, and you have to then adjust the thesis based on what the evidence shows you. But more often, it just kind of enhances it. You know, there may be slight counter arguments or different perspectives that are worth mentioning as part of that that thesis. 
Um, you know, again, it might not be as definitive as saying, you know, this is absolutely 100% true. Well, it's pretty true, or maybe it seems true, or maybe it's somewhat true, or it's pretty true, right? There's gradations of, you know, what you can really claim based on the evidence that you actually find. So that by its nature of doing the research process, and again, it takes time to do all of this, but if you are taking the time to do all of this, that's just the way it has to happen. Um, and that's a good thing, right? You wind up with a much more interesting paper. You wind up with a much more interesting argument. You wind up, um, again, having a better time doing it, I think, in the long run. You know, it's ironic. A lot of students who are sort of very, um, I guess, hesitant to really engage in outlining, they sort of wind up at this block where they're like, I can't find, I can't find any more information, which to me is one of the funniest things for students to tell me. Like, oh, yeah, there's no information on this. It's like, really? You have the internet. The internet. That's like a, a gajillion times the information of any library in the world because it's all the libraries in the world. And especially if you're in college and you have access to all these databases and you know research studies and all that sort of stuff, uh, it's not that the information isn't out there. It's that you don't know how to access it, um, which is why it's important to talk to your instructors, to talk to the librarians themselves, contact them directly for information. And and, you know, learn to use those tools to your advantage, those search tools to your advantage. Because the information, again, nine times out of 10 is is definitely out there. Probably 99 times out of 100 is definitely out there. And if it's not, that can be part of your argument too. Now, this, of course, is getting off more into research argument and, and issues with that. But again, the outlining can sort of help you to know like, okay, I need to find this further information. I need to find more information to confirm this point that I raised that I claim. I need to address, you know, potential uh, gaps in those claims. I need to address potential counter arguments or counter perspectives. So you can, you can mark all of this in your outline and then try to find that information as you continue researching. Much easier than if you're looking at a developing six-page document and you're kind of losing track of where what is. So I always say to go back and forth, you know, have the outline even print it out. Uh, that's often a, a great way to do it. You know, print out an outline or have it on a separate screen, double space it so it's a little more spread out and kind of go back and forth as you start and continue writing about those individual points. You know, pl plug in more information into that outline as you need to find it just to have it there organizationally. And if you do that, again, you wind up having a much better time creating something that I think you're going to be much happier with as an end product. And again, I, th I think it actually does, you know, honestly, wind up saving you time in the long run for all of these reasons. Um, so yeah, that's in general, my advice with outlining, that's sort of, <laughs> I guess we can say the express course on outlining. But one other thing I wanted to talk about with in regards to outlining, which I think is also super important and super useful is what maybe even more so. Um, that's what I call reverse outlining, which is actually a, a term or a concept rather that I would say the, the majority of my students have never heard of. I don't even remember where I heard it from. It might be something that I just, I don't want to claim that I thought of it myself because I, I know for a fact a lot of other people use either this process or a process quite similar. Um, but as far as I remember, I mean, I, I just, it sort of made sense to me in terms of a process of uh, editing your papers. And so what I mean by reverse outlining is essentially you look at the paper that you've written after you've done your outline and you've written your paper and you say, yeah, the paper's written. I got to just go back and edit it now or continue to edit it. How do I know it's doing the job that I want it to do? 
Well, one thing I tell students is probably your best bet. And I, again, would say pretty much across the board that students tell me that reverse outlining, reverse outlining is uh, the most useful editing tool they've ever used. And in fact, a lot of them say it's more useful than outlining itself. And again, all outline reverse outlining is, is you look at the paper that you've written. And next to each paragraph, you do one thing. You try to summarize the paragraph in one sentence. So you think of a one sentence, almost mini thesis statement for that paragraph. Now, if you can summarize that paragraph in one sentence, that, and again, this is only sort of in general, like there's always exceptions to these rules, but in general, if you can summarize a paragraph in one sentence, then that means that that paragraph is doing its job. If it's unclear, you can't come up with a sentence for that paragraph, well, that's a problem. That means that you probably <laughs> need to clarify what, what in the world's going on. But much more commonly, students, when they do this, they try to summarize a paragraph in one sentence and they can't. Um, they wind up needing two sentences or three sentences or sometimes four sentences. And sometimes, again, that doesn't necessarily correlate with paragraph length, but sometimes it does. And all that means is that, again, in general, it's usually a sign if you have to summarize a paragraph in, in more than one sentence that perhaps that paragraph deserves to be more than one paragraph. And if you sort of at the point where you say like, yeah, this is something, even though it's similar to the main point, it's kind of its distinct own point. If you try to make that its own paragraph, you you can, you know, experiment and see how it goes. You then have to explain the link between them in the topic sentence and formulating transition. And you wind up then some oftentimes what you wind up with are two smaller paragraphs that you have the opportunity and room to expand upon because with that initial paragraph, it was already too long and you kind of stopped writing because you're like, oh Jesus, it's already, you know, a page long paragraph. It seems a bit much. So by taking the time to break it up by identifying each unique point, you can then expand upon those points and what exactly you know you want to say about them in terms of you know those points' impact and the analysis of those points and, and all that other good stuff that we talk about in terms of uh, analyzing information uh, you know otherwise in in our research writing. So that's a huge benefit for many students. And in fact, it's a it, reverse outlining we do for all our papers, uh, or I recommend it for all our papers, whether um, researched argument, uh, rhetorical analysis, or personal writing, personal narrative writing. It works just as well there in, in narrative writing as well. Uh, so even in, in narrative writing where we don't have always traditional outlines to start with, reverse out outlining I think is a great concept uh, there too. So I recommend that, especially if you're not, you know, again, even after all my rambling just now about how great and how useful outlinings are, if you're not still hip to that, um, reverse outlining, I think you'll be very happy with. I, I, I've yet to, you know, find a uh, type of writing in, at least in my freshman composition classes and my upper division technical writing classes is a little bit different. Creative writing gets weirder too in certain instances, so it doesn't always apply necessarily, but uh, certainly in, in you know, the, any freshman writing class, you'll be glad you did it for sure. So <laughs> I recommend regular outlining, but if you're not with me there, try the reverse outlining. Maybe I'll include a link to that as well. I think I'll include a link to that in the description as well. I'm giving away all my outline secrets this episode, folks. It's You deserve it. Um, 
I don't know. <laughs> they work. I'm telling you. Just take my word for it. Please, if there's any alumni listening, please comment and confirm that these techniques actually work because I can uh, I can promise you that they do. Okay. Um, so that that's really all I wanted to say this episode. Outlines are not your enemy. Uh, if they are your enemy, if you think they're your enemy, uh, you've been misled. They, you shouldn't think of them this way. They're sorry that you had such bad experiences with them previously and they want to apologize and they want you to use them to your advantage and you will get advantage out of it again beyond just your your typical standard writing assignment you know knowing how to outline and organize your thoughts and why they're worth organizing in those ways it, it really is hugely beneficial um, in just your, your thinking process, but your organizational process, like sort of training you moving, moving forward, um, you know, how you seek out information and, and how you store that information and how you start to structure and analyze that information. So uh, it's, it's a process that's worth engaging in for, for all of these reasons, I think. And, you know, again, in, in, in conclusion, good writing is good thinking and all of that takes time. You know, if you're not willing to put in the time you know, there's always students who can sort of rush things, you know, out at the end. They're just, they're strong writers. Um, but especially if an assignment has specific guidelines that you're supposed to meet, you know, you can write a fantastic paper, but if it's not meeting the criteria that your boss, and in this case, I'm your boss because I'm telling you what to do. If it's not meeting the criteria I set out that I want, uh, it doesn't matter whether you think it's a great paper, right? You know, if you can't hand your boss an assignment and say, look at this great thing I, I wrote. And he says, this isn't the information I wanted. And you say, yeah, but it's good information. No, 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 not going to work out. <laughs> okay. So this is to help you uh, in many ways in the long run, more or less. So anyways, those are just some thoughts on outlining. I hope I've, again, converted or swayed some of you at least. Um, again, please comment if you have any questions as well. Um, you can comment on our main uh, website, which is professorlabs.podbean.com. You can also tweet at us. If you have a Twitter account, uh, just send us a message uh, at Joe T. Labs. would love to hear from you any ideas, thoughts, uh, as well as ideas or thoughts on future episode topics that you might want us to discuss. Um, hopefully, again, we're working on some some new content coming up, uh, hopefully some interviews coming soon. That should be really fun. I'm really excited about that. So there's a lot more to come in addition to some of our more traditional topics of, of writing and editing strategies like, like this that you see here. So anyways, that's, again, all I want to talk about today. So thanks for joining us. Please uh, share this with anybody else who you think might find it uh, helpful. And if they're doing some writing, I, I bet you they will. So <laughs> uh, share, share this link. They'll, I appreciate it and they'll appreciate it too. So uh, other than that, thank you all as always for listening. And until next time, keep outlining and as always, keep learning. Thanks again. Bye-bye.